Hi, welcome to Completely Irrelevant, a movie podcast. I am your host, Paul Johnson. This is my friend Cameron Anders. Hi. Today we are talking about the 2009 romantic comedy, 500 Days of Summer, starring um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. Um, It is the story of a young man living in Los Angeles who falls in love with a girl. She breaks up with him, and basically him trying to get over that. And it's told in a non-linear fashion, which is pretty cool. It jumps all over the relationship at different points. Um, So yeah. So... I, I had seen this movie um, a dozen times before the podcast because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I watched it three more times for this podcast, and I actually I read the script online. Cameron, what, what did you think of the movie? I really liked it. I watched it twice, and I took notes both times, and I watched it again with some comments you made in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked it. So what did you like about the movie? I liked Tom's character a lot, and I liked the way their relationship was told um, throughout the way with all of the numbers in the days. Mm-hmm. The non-linear the, the storytelling. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so the first scene of the movie is actually the very last time they interact. Uh, I think it's like day 488. Yeah. Um, and it actually it just jumps between different points, which, which is very interesting because, you know, you look at the traditional structure of any sort of like story you know with the beginning middle and end and all that and even though it tells the story at different points you still get the full like trajectory of a traditional story and it still works really well and normally not gonna lie i normally hate the kind of movies where it's like here's the ending it's like freeze frame that's me (laughs) i'm sure you're wondering how i ended up there and it like goes back but i think it was actually really well done hmm I, I love this movie, and I object to... I just want to get straight off the bat. One of my least favorite criticisms of this movie, it's very misunderstood. And whenever people are talking about the manic pixie dream girl, they're like, oh, Summer from 500 Days of Summer is a manic pixie dream girl. Like they're saying something original. Or like, <laughs> like they're like, oh, bro, if you think about it, she's actually kind of like a manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> It's the entire point of the movie is that she is a manic pixie dream girl. It's it's all about she's completely seen through Tom's perspective. And and like there's a scene at the end where Chloe Grace Moretz, um, who plays um, Tom's little sister, is like, oh, you know, I'm so wise for a 10 year old. Why don't you go back and think about all those past experiences? Were they really as good as you thought they were? And Tom, for the first time at the end of the film, realizes, oh, he's just been looking at her to kind of like fulfill him. She wasn't like this perfect person the way he's seen her the the entire yeah. time. And I kind of, there was one point in the bar scene, which I have a lot on. It's basically throughout the whole movie, it's kind of like a stereotype of her. Stereotype's not really the right word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about the girls at the other end of the bar. And he's like, look at them with like their big glasses and their big blonde hair. And they're so like is that really how people dress these days? And like, I, I guess he's assuming that she's going to be like, yeah, I'm edgy too. But she <laughs> responds with like, um, she says like they can do what they want or whatever. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Basically. Yeah. The more you look back at the film, she is actually, I feel like a very complex character and she's not like, she's not one dimensional, which is, I think what you were saying when you were saying stereotype. So from the very beginning, we're introduced to the characters and it is Tom has always figured he won't be fully happy until he meets the one. And we're introduced to that straight away. It's not subtle. 
And so it, it's mentioned in the first time he meets her where it's like, oh, the narrator says, oh, Tom sees Summer for the first time on June 8th and immediately knows she's what he's been yeah. looking for. Um, and so by the time we get to the bar scene and as it goes on and on, he, he's been seeing her as sort of this, not as an individual so much as a way for him to be complete. Um, and so there are lots of scenes where she is a very difficult person. Um, or there are scenes where she's clearly like not vibing with whatever yeah. Tom's saying or doing. As the movie goes on and on, he sort of starts to come to terms with that. Yeah. Oh, I just um, back a little bit when you said um, he thinks that she's sort of something that's going to benefit him or like, you know. Um, on the Wikipedia article for it, <laughs> I did some research. It was like the ending line is like, Summer's not a girl, she's a phase. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. It sort of ties into what you were saying. I'm bothered by the fact that people read her as a manic pixie dream girl because it so glaringly just ignores the entire point of the film. It's getting it completely wrong. It's like watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and thinking it's pro-Nazi. See, I initially, I didn't, my first thought, I wasn't really thinking of the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but I guess when I first saw it, I, the first half, not half, but a good chunk, I was like, oh, she's one of those, like, uh, I'm Quirky, edgy. I'm going to be the this guy's yeah, reason yeah. for... But she doesn't, I think a big part of the, quote, Manic, manic Pixie Dream Girl is, like, they go out and, like, do stuff. Mm. Is, that, is Am I wrong about that? They go out and do stuff. <laughs> mm. Yes, you've hit the nail right on the head. You know, like like in um, Paper Towns where she's like, let's go put fish in people's stuff and like mess with them. And like, you're going to free yourself of... You're, you're thinking of like... like, like spontaneity. You, spontaneity, yeah. quirkiness. Sort of like Zoe Deschanel's character in New Girl. I, you haven't watched New Girl. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Um, no, no. But I, there's not any aspect of that in it. So that's why I was... I guess they play the penis game. Oh, yeah. But that's a little just bit. funny. The problem with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is when you create a character that serves only one purpose, and that, that purpose is to fulfill the, the male character, man. right? And so she doesn't exist for... Like, like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl doesn't exist for any other reason than for the sake of the film or the book or whatever. Very clearly does because she just... She dumps him. She dumps him. <laughs> and there's no, like... She's not... She doesn't, like, teach him to be, like, to live freer and yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. The only time you could say, you know, she pushes him in his architectural architectural career. But but she's not being, like, like edgy about it or no, anything. No, it's more of, like, a, this is something you're passionate about. Maybe you should go after it. Like, it's not a... She wants... Yeah, she it's wants... It's just a nice thing to say. Yeah, she wants more for him, but not in a, like, I'm going to take this, like, brooding young man and teach him how to have fun again how know? to love again yeah you know and and we get that a lot like it i mean even in movies like i like a lot like forgetting sarah marshall right like mila kunis's character i i don't understand any of her character motivations her old boyfriend was a douche like but the entire time she's like okay i'm gonna be nice to jason siegel's character even though he's just like a mopey I'm silly goose <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, we're going to get a lot of that, me referencing movies yeah. and Cameron not getting it. I have watched this one only because you asked me to. <laughs> Tom is looking for someone to fulfill him. There's literally 
So there are a couple of points in the film. The film's very interesting in that it's not linear, but it also is cut with sort of fantastical stuff, right? Yeah. So you look at the scene where after he and Summer have sex, there's like a dance number with like, it's, it's that was hilarious. So funny to me. <laughs> and there's, there's the scene in the cinema where he watches like this, it's like a parody of like sad, I don't know, Swedish cinema or something suffering. like that. Suffering. So much suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, they do like these talking head points where they're talking to the camera. And oh, yeah. so early on in the film, when um, Tom is asked about Summer, he says, she makes me feel like anything is possible, like life's worth living, right? And, and there is the entire crux of like the argument against her being like an unconscious, like manic pixie dream girl the screenwriters just put in because like they're bad writers or something like yeah. that. That's literally the entire point is that Tom doesn't feel like, like, like he feels like he needs someone else to feel complete himself. And the rejection of that sort of idea, I think, is very traditional in rom-coms. This idea that, oh, there's a brooding guy or whatever. Um, he gets a girl. She teaches him how to love life. He loses the girl. He learns to love life on his own. And then at the end, he wins her back, right? Yeah. Obviously, this is different because he doesn't win her back. Um, but really, it's about him coming to terms with the fact that... He needs to be happy with himself. He can't keep working at Vance cards or Vance whatever. Refrigeration. Vance refrigeration. Um, and, and he has to pursue his own interests and passions yeah. and stuff like that. And I thought that that was, ties into the whole, um, we were talking about the 50s aesthetic and how I think that is sort of like a representation of his idealization of her and that whole thing. And I think the montage at the end where it, it's very modern, you know, there's like the cityscapes and like all the cars and that whole thing. I think that's a just a quick visualization of him being like, oh, I got to do. Can you explain what you mean by the 50s aesthetic? Oh. And then also what scene, what montage at the end you're referring to? So basically the whole movie is, I couldn't quite figure out what time period it was in until obviously there's like modern modern stuff but like they're dressed very 50s and like her her whole style is like very like 50s very 50s very 50s camera not understanding this is an audio only <laughs> yeah no, i did like hand motions but um yeah in the montage at the end it's um when he's drawing on the big chalkboard mm -hmm. again with the hand motions but um there's sort of a bunch of cuts of like sped up like cars and lots of city scenery and that kind mm. of thing so i think that is sort of a obviously it's a breakthrough moment because it's when he learns to live on his own but i think it just ties it all together visually yeah i no, that's something i hadn't paid attention to but i think you're right the idea that the idea of treating summer like she's not her own individual and only some sort of functions sort of as some sort of completion to tom yeah. it's it does feel very like 50s yeah. very old timey right and you can look at the scene in Ikea where they're going around and she plays the housewife. And she's yeah. like, oh, here's dinner. It's a bald eagle. <laughs> All of my voices are, I don't know what voice. Yeah, but she's like, oh, here's, here's a bald eagle. And she's like the housewife. And she's dressed like it as yeah. well. Yeah, she's dressed like a housewife the whole movie. Yeah. Except for the scene in the elevator where she has pants on. Yeah, that's actually, you know, I was interested. That's day four. Day one, she's wearing that exact same outfit. Yeah, yeah. Get oh. it together somewhere. <laughs> 
watch this, I watch this movie a lot of times. <laughs> I don't know if that's evident. Um, when watching the movie, if you look at it like the cinematography and the choices they make with costumes, yeah. I, I think it's actually very interesting. Like um, one of the main things is that the entire movie, like the color palette is very brown, except for Summer. Summer yeah. is always dressed in blue except for one scene, one and a half scenes. I think it's navy. The the bar scene? Yeah, I think it's navy. I think it, okay, here's the interesting thing though. Tom is also wearing something dark though. Yeah. And Tom wears brown the entire movie. No, he wears black in the record the, store. In the record store? That's the same scene where she's wearing brown though, right? No, she has a blue top on. He pointed this out to me, so then when I rewatched it the second time, I paid a lot of attention to it. Making, making me look like a fool on my own podcast. <laughs> I will say, the day before they break up, you know, when they go see The Graduate, and it's all sad and stuff, and then she's like, oh, I don't want to go out, and he's like, okay, tomorrow we'll have pancakes. She is wearing a brown... No, that's the same day. That No, it's that's Ikea. That's when they break up. She's wearing, she's wearing brown on Ikea day, round two. No. I'm sure of it. Oh, round two. Round two. I'm sure of it. <laughs> she, which which I thought was interesting because there's so many different levels of contrast in the film where they go through like the same sort of areas or the same things yeah. two times. I love that. So like, um, here, I actually, I've got it written down in some notes over here. <laughs> but at the first Ikea, um, the, the whole thing, they go through that super cute sequence. It's like them going through the rooms and it's, they're playing like housewife and husband and all that. There's the Chinese family in our bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the scene, she holds his hand. Yep. Um, and then later in the movie, they do a, um, they go to Ikea and he's trying to play that same game and she is just uninterested. Well, that's like, um, isn't it back to back or am I wrong about that? Yeah. But like, I mean, later in their, oh, yeah, like, okay. their, their I thought story. You meant, like, no. Um, got it. and you know, in that same scene, he tries to hold her hand, or maybe that's at the uh, record store, but she brushes it off. There's also, um, why did I write good greeting cards, bad greeting cards? What does that mean? Because he has good greeting cards ideas, and then he has really bad ones. Oh, yes. Good greeting cards and bad <laughs> greeting cards, that's the contrast between, so he's talking about, you know, how he's on fire at work because, you know, he feels so inspired by summer, like when he gets the greeting card or the card, I, I love, love us, us yeah. you know. And then it cuts to him <laughs> when he gets moved to the sympathy division because, you know, he can't write anything uh, enjoyable or joyous or yeah. happy or anything like that. Um, and then there's also the contrast between, they do the similar sequence where it's like Chom romanticizing Summer and it's like, I love her knees, I love the oh, yeah. sound of her voice. I love how I always, always hear this song in my head. And then later on in the movie, it's that same thing, but he's like, I hate her knees. I hate the sound of her laugh. And it, he yells, I hate this song. And then it's revealed he's, you know, on a bus. So I thought that was interesting. I think, um, going back a little bit, it's interesting because he basically admits at the end when he's quitting his job, his whole spiel, he's basically like, I've been idealizing her. Like, he just says it outright. So I mm. think it would be with the whole manic pixie dream girl thing. I think it's hard to... To defend that point that she is a manic pixie. Yeah, yeah, with that whole speech where he basically yeah. says it. She's a manic pixie dream girl from Tom's perspective, but as a whole, she's not a manic yeah. pixie dream girl. That's 
that it's just not like that point can't be made um so i think another important point is earlier on when they're doing their talking heads and it's um paul and robin it is vance and yes vance and whoever his wife is and he quotes one of his cards (laughs) then it's tom's other friend who's like if she's cute or willing i'm flexible on the cute um i love him but i do think there's a great part where paul is talking about robin um and he says he talks about how his dream girl is probably bustier and likes sports more stuff like that and then he says robin is better than the girl of my dreams she's real yeah and i think that's relevant because tom is still visualizing like summer as the girl of his dreams she's not she's not real she's not an individual she's romanticized he puts her on a pedestal you know even though she's the worst she's kind of she's the worst she's an asshole to him the whole movie especially at the wedding oh my goodness that made me so angry okay so i won't deny before anyone gets mad for all zero zero of our (laughs) listeners before anyone gets mad i'm not saying tom was a good boyfriend i'm just saying summer is manipulative and selfish yeah i think so i thought it was interesting because the first time i watched it i wasn't sure who to side with because mm. i was like oh summer's being up front like oh i want something casual and i was like okay that's good of her like that's yeah she's being good honest to admit but and he kind of like him knowing that and going into it with feelings that's not a very good, good thing. idea and then hoping for her to fall in love with him but then she basically acts like he's her boyfriend yeah. the whole time and it is still again in the bar scene refuses to say oh this is my boyfriend and like it's just not it's, she's an asshole and then at the wedding especially when she has a boyfriend and she's like hey let's dance it's like she's not a good person yeah and, and and you can go in like that idea of like oh hey i just want to keep it casual you know yeah the words you say and how you act like have to line up they, yeah they've got to line up you can't say one thing and then act another way and be like well well i said this yeah tom when when they're arguing over at her place and he, you know she's being difficult and all that she's yeah. like we're just she caught she says we're just, just friends. friends like no you're not it's like bruh you guys are clearly not just friends and tom says he's like i have a say in this yeah. you're not the only one who has yeah. a say in this and and that's that's true and that part was frustrating to me as a as a viewer because I had forgotten that they weren't like Unofficial. a thing. Because you're watching all these montages and you're like, oh, that's so cute. They're so good together. And then she's like, no, no, we're well, not. Because so a big part of Summer's character, one of the reasons she's a complex character who's not one dimensional, is that she is, she's very scared of vulnerability, right? Yeah. And, like, the first time anything about her is introduced, she's like, Summer only loved two things, her hair and how she didn't feel anything when she cut it off or something like that. And she's she's scared to be emotionally vulnerable. And so I can understand she puts up these walls. She's like, oh, we're not, we're going to keep it casual. We're not boyfriend, girlfriend and all that stuff. And then she has, like, when the scene in her house where she's talking about like her dreams and stuff like that and Tom realizes these aren't stories that she tells other people yeah. and she's like I guess I've never told anyone that before you can I I can sympathize with Summer about how that progression of like 
she wasn't open to the idea of being in a relationship, yeah. but it just kind of happened. But it seems like even though it's not consciously what she wanted, she is there. She's, yeah. she's made the choices yeah. that have put her there. And she's okay with what all they're doing. Yeah, she's okay with <laughs> what all they're doing. <laughs> well, no, no, like, they're, they're basically dating she's okay going on dates with him and having sex and like and seemingly being exclusive we don't see any other yeah and it's not like it's just a physical relationship yeah and in in it just it seems like just a matter of label because it's like summer arguing with almost her like her conscious self where she's like well i don't want a relationship i don't want a relationship and then she's having a relationship but i think putting the idea the label of boyfriend girlfriend on it is that's where she draws the line i think that's interesting because that's such a big like character arc for her or you know like that's mm-hmm. such a big part of the movie but there's no like part where you see oh she was dramatized by some boyfriend in her past so now mm-hmm. she doesn't want to use the word boyfriend it's just like i think i think it all goes back to that first scene where she's talking about her parents divorce there's so many different sections where it's tom and her, like when they're first at the bar, they're at karaoke. Yeah. And they talk about how Tom believes in love and she doesn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, we don't know whether it's some boyfriend or this or that or her parents divorce, mm-hmm. but it's, she's she's so steadfast on that at the beginning. And then by the end of the film, they've kind of switched yeah. sides. And you see that with the, um, the split screen where like she's getting married and it's very like cheesy and like, and he's sitting on the bus alone just like. That is a great, I really, I paid attention a lot to that scene yesterday when I rewatched it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another one of like <coughs> the contrast between the two, because at first she's like, she doesn't want to be anyone's en- anything, you yeah. know? And she seems like she's her own unique person who like wants to be an individual and all that. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't be an individual in a relationship, blah, yeah. blah, blah, or something like that. But she was so staunch on that. Um, but then it's, it's her getting married, her joining something and it's Tom being alone. Yeah. Oh, can we talk very briefly about the scene at the park that they show at the beginning where she has the wedding ring on and her hands on his hand and they're smiling at each other and And you're like, oh, I guess it works out. And then it doesn't. And then they say at the end or they say at the end of the scene, it's like, but just to be clear, this is not a love story. Do do do! Oh God, I I love the soundtrack for this movie. The soundtrack is baller. Like one of my favorite songs is on there, "Sweet Disposition." That's a great one. Um, they also have "During the Expectations" versus "Reality Scene." That song, saddest song in in all of the world. Um, but I I do enjoy. They've si- sort of got the, I don't know what is it called a motif if it's musical. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um. And, and they play it a bunch of times, and it's real cute. But then later on, when um, Tom is at the cinema, and he's watching the sad European black-and-white film, there's there's a sad version of that song playing. And I just noticed that for the first time last night. It was, it was really interesting. See, I'm usually way into soundtrack, because that's the only thing I can comment on. <laughs> um, but I actually didn't notice it. I was too busy focused on who was wearing blue and who wasn't. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, Tom's always wearing brown, Summer's always wearing blue, blah, blah, blah. Um, But when Cameron watched it, she pointed out to me, actually, it's just Summer who wears blue. It's Summer and her apartment. Yeah, Um, and like all of the settings are brown. 
like the coffee shop and the bar is brown the other bar is brown all of the palette is brown yeah the only which which i think is interesting because pretty clearly the film is from tom's perspective right um and a lot of it is how he sees things and and so that's him seeing only summer in blue i think is his idea that she is the secret to his completion yeah right and i think it also sort of represents like the fantastical and the unrealistic because like when they have the flash mob well yeah the flash mob but i think part of that is that is the joy he's feeling blue from because summer. he's you know gotten with summer um another important part i think a great line that i liked that was only said once and then not really touched on again but i think is very important for the whole movie the idea of the movie is when tom's friend says turn her into literature right um Wait, when does he say something? They're sitting at, at work. Oh. Yeah. And so yeah. he's received an email from her, bad news. Yeah. And his friend's like, oh, you should turn her into li- literature. Uh, and the quote is, I looked it up, there are three things to do with a woman. You can love her, suffer for her, or turn her into literature. And I think, I, I think the idea here is Tom turning her into architecture, right? Mm-hmm. So sort of that idea of, you know, turn that sort of turmoil and frustration and blah 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 and turn it into something productive yeah um which i think is also noteworthy because he summer spends so much time talking about architecture with him yeah and that very passive aggressive line in the best scene in all of cinema (laughs) when she says tom could be a really great architect if If he he wanted to oh if someone said that to me at a party i probably wouldn't do anything about it but i would feel sad (laughs) Um, that whole scene is just really good yeah expectations versus reality is i can't think of a scene i i enjoy more because it it's so like it's so human and it's so like we've all been there like this like the narrator says tom is intoxicated with the possibilities of the evening or something like that it's so like when you go to a middle school dance and you're like oh that boy is gonna ask me to dance yeah and then and then he doesn't (laughs) and and it's so it's just so well done having them be right next to each other yeah the the film is very good with how it works with like structure and format like it's told non-linearly but at the same time it's very like it's i don't know how to say it other than quirky which i think sounds you know has a negative connotation to it but but that's really what it is there are some great like like the talking heads and i the thing right at the beginning where it's like the the first text of the film it's like oh, anyone yeah. who's any resemblance is is not on purpose especially, especially you jenny beekman bitch, bitch. <laughs> i love that but uh, though uh, uh great start yeah though the writer did apparently it was about a woman he dated understandably mm. so <laughs> um but yeah expectations versus reality such oh my goodness at the end of that scene where like where he sees the wedding ring oh, and then yeah. he just or the engagement ring and then he just runs out onto the street and like all yeah. of LA turns into like a sketchbook and then it's erased and it's just him and then he's erased oh it's it's really good um and i thought they did it in a way that wasn't like this is very minor but like confusing like mm. i wasn't like which one should i watch i think it lined up at the points oh, and then like reset yeah 
I just I can't get enough of that scene. It's so it's just so heartbreaking, especially because it's told with so little dialogue. Oh yeah. Other than like the, you know, him talking about why would you build something or why would you create something that could be destroyed, like a building, when you could have something that lasts forever, like a greeting card. Greeting card. Um, other than that, it's it's a very it, it doesn't have a lot of dialogue. It doesn't explain, like... Yeah. Because I remember the first time I watched this, I was, like, nine. I did not understand why they were zooming in on her hand. I was, <laughs> I was like, why is he running? But, but, is he scared of hands? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really well told. And I think it just really highlights how garbage Summer is to yeah. invite her. Her pretty yeah. recent ex-boyfriend so this is what probably around like 400 days they break up around like 200 something like that i i can't remember like even if and she knows he's taking it hard right yeah and she just flirted with him at the wedding at the wedding hardcore high key yeah Uh, like that's not yeah it's okay not okay she, hardcore Heike flirted with this guy and then she's like, yo, want to come to my engagement party <laughs> to someone that isn't you? <laughs> it's, and, and later on, you know, in the final park bench scene, he asks her, he's like, finally, he stands up for himself a little bit. And he's like, you you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. At the wedding. And she's like, do, 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 I know, but I don't care. And then, I thought it was really like, good personal growth for him when he's like congratulations and she's like say it if you mean it he's like well well then (laughs) silence um well screw you (laughs) yeah he says yeah you should have done that and she's like and he asks her why she didn't she's like because i wanted to yeah and that's where i was really like that's that's it's kind of not okay yeah it's kind of bitchy yeah it, it it really is um poor tom who's I mean, obviously, not handled the breakup well. He's been, like, difficult, sure. But especially knowing Summer knows she's not dumb. She's not a dumb character. You know, she's quick on her feet. She seems smart, all that. She must know how hard Tom is taking it based off of him emailing her and stuff like that. And she does because she walks up and she says, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Like a year later or however long it's been. And and she just does not care because she doesn't she she genuinely seems like she doesn't care. She yeah. just treats him like she flirts with him. I mean, who knows how far back that sets his? I think is a real rude person move. Ooh. To as soon as she found out that he liked her, she was like, she kissed him. Like, the, the day after. You think that's a rude person move? I think that's rude because she knew that she wanted something casual. Oh, that's a good point. So if she knew she wasn't looking for a relationship and she knows that he has feelings for her, then why would she... I will say, though, two points. A, maybe she didn't know in what capacity he liked her, right? Second point is that, you know, regardless... It's when we go back to that idea of conscious versus subconscious, mm-hmm. right? And regardless of whether she's saying she doesn't want a relationship or something like that, maybe she is. I mean, they were, as I wrote in my English paper, they were hella flirty. No, I wrote that about Twelfth Night. My teacher did not like me using the terms uh, hella flirty. Um, but yeah, they, they were flirting and they seemed to have like a good back and forth yeah. thing going on. So I don't know. Well, I don't know why it's so much for us to say maybe she's just feeling it out, you know? I think that's fair, but I 
I still think that if she knows that he's that she doesn't want anything and that he does then i it just feels icky mm, mm. yeah i i think it, i guess it just sort of depends on how much you think she knows about yeah tom's feelings for her and stuff like that and i think i mean i guess you could say like the same thing about the first date but also you could also say she's still feeling it out and like seeing if she does mm-hmm. maybe feel something different for him it's it's I, I just find it so interesting. I think that scene at the bar where they discuss, you know, their feelings about love, it, that scene and then the scene at the end where they talk about, you know, where Tom's like, everything I've thought is wrong, blah, 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 love is stupid. And and so they've done this whole little switcheroo. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's so interesting because I think that's one of the most, it seems like a lot of the film is like a rejection of love, but... It's not really. Yeah. Because at the end, Summer finds she's had all this talk about how she feels about, um, you know, she doesn't want to be anybody's anything. Yeah. She doesn't even believe in love. And then she just felt it. Yeah. Yeah. So for Summer to go back and start talking about how she just felt it one day with this one guy, it is a reversal. And... And it really just sums up her line where she's like, you were right, Tom. You just weren't right about me. Yeah. And so I think, I don't know what it's saying when it's like the whole thing is not about one person fulfilling you. But then at the same time, Summer seems to find that one person who fulfills her. Yeah. So is it, maybe it's trying to say that you can't just look for anyone to fulfill you. You have to actually look at a person, not how Summer's, or not how Tom has looked at Summer. And then you can still find fulfillment in love, yeah. you know. And I, this is off topic, but the ending made me cringe. The ending made me cringe so hard. Um, I'm just going to say uh, fuck off because <laughs> it's beautiful. This is a PG-13 podcast. That's your one. Frick off. <laughs> I think it's clever. I really li- I like how they named her Autumn at the end. I think that was like fine, whatever. But I think him looking into the camera going, not a visual thing. Okay. <laughs> the way he looks into the camera at the end, he's like, uh-huh. and he like kind of smirks. It's like, no. I don't know. I think, I think if we accept the film for what it is, which is a very quirky, very quirky movie. Kind of quirky though. It's kind of quirky though. You know, sometimes you watch a movie that you love, but then there are parts where you're like, okay, this is kind of cringe. I don't get that feeling as much with 500 Days of no, Summer. Like it was I, just the just the look he gave the camera at the very last But you scene. didn't find it cringy, the, the post-coital um, dance number? I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's so I good. thought it was so and funny. the cartoon bird yeah. flies onto his shoulder. <laughs> that, I was literally like laughing out loud up here. <laughs> I gotta say, one of the funniest cuts I've, I've seen is he gets in the elevator after that and it switches to like day 300 and it's it op- and then the elevator he's doors open mess. up and he's just a mess it's hilarious. oh my god i the thing is i had forgotten that they were broken up at that point because mm-hmm. it kept switching back and i was like oh like part of me laughed at it and then i was like that's so sad no that's what works so well about the contrast between the two like similar events but uh, during the relationship and after the yeah. relationship you do forget that they're broken up yeah. or you forget how great it was when they were together yeah i think it is interesting though because she says we argue all the time but you never really see 
um, um, it go like fully downhill. There's never really like a full train wreck moment. There's a few like sprinkled in like the IKEA thing and like. But it doesn't feel like there's really. You don't feel like you see the downfall of the relationship. Yeah, no. You see it going well, and then it's not going well. There's no like, oh, it's it's descending yeah, yeah, yeah. or any one incident that sparks it. It's just, and it's not Tom doing anything. It's just Summer. He's throwing stuff out. She's not happy. Yeah. I do like, I like the beginning parts where the first, where Tom is interested in Summer, but he's too afraid to ask her out. Oh, that's so cute. There are a couple of really good scenes, like where um, he's telling his friends, he's like, <laughs> yeah. well, guys, it's over with Summer. What happened? We were in the elevator and I said, you know, how was your weekend? And she said, it was good. I, I just. That's a spot on impression. But, but the thing is, that's really what it's like. When yeah, you like yeah, someone, yeah. you're just, you're like every single tiny little detail. You're like, okay, I'm going to write an English paper about this. You know, you know, in English. That Eng feels very specific. No, no, no. Like, no, I, I mean more <laughs> so like, you know where, when you're in English class and it's like, oh, the curtains are blue, which symbolizes the ocean. And you're oh, like, no. I, I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. I think they're just blue because they had to be a color. <laughs> I didn't believe in symbolism the first time I heard about it. When my second grade teacher told me about it, she's like, oh, you know, this means, this is supposed to symbolize melancholy. I'm like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> sure, Miss Dina. Miss Dina. That was her name. Well, did you know the word hey symbolizes lesbianism? I did. <laughs> That's you'll so get, funny. You'll get that reference if you actually watch the movie. Which you should. It's very Which good you movie. should, all zero listeners. Um, <laughs> I think also that part Ethan where- Ethan Paul Coulison. Ethan. Thanks, Hi. Ethan. Hi, Ethan. Shout out. I think more in that vein is like when he plays the Smith song and he turns it up as she's walking by and she doesn't acknowledge it. And that's just like, you know, he's been planning that since like lunch. He's like, okay, yeah. okay. She's going to walk by. I've got this all figured out. <laughs> and I think going back to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, the one thing that would, I mean, for me, the first thing that I was immediately like, eh, um, how she's introduced is like, Oh, the Smiths. I love them. Then he's like, oh my, holy shit. Yeah. And so he, she's introduced to him as a very like edgy, I love bands. I love, I love music. How I love, edgy of her. I hate you. People are going to think oh, you shit. bully me. Every time I say anything, you're like, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Keep going, keep going. But um, she is introduced as kind of like his ideal yeah, so woman as far as music taste. Mm, mm. You know what I mean, though. Enlightening. You no, know what I no, mean. No, no. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's. I I also like you know he immediately he's like brushed her off because his friend is like, yeah, some guy tried to talk to her at the. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, God, what a bitch! Why do pretty girls? I love that line. <laughs> Why do pretty girls think they can treat people like shit and get away with it? And then his Years friend says, centuries of reinforcement. I think that's, that's such a good line. That was so funny. That's one of my favorites. Um, I was going to say how I thought it was interesting that he pursued his passion after her instead of during. Well, I, I like that because I think there's, you know, you get that a lot. When we're talking about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, we talk about the girl who encourages him while they're together to like yeah. live life, blah, blah, blah. But really what's happening here is she just... That, that that's not her shtick yeah he starts to embrace you know 
he becomes a man so to speak in the traditional like yeah he grows up whatever um after she breaks up with him because Mm -hmm. he turns her into literature back to earlier yeah can we talk about how edgy their dates are though what were their dates they went to the record store um the record stores they went they went to see the giant (laughs) part vampire part giant I can't. I couldn't figure out what that was. I'm just. I saw the word vagina. I thought something way different. No. Um. And then, but the, I like that part. I like that sort. That part of the humor. It's a. It's a Sorry. very smart movie, and then it's just got some some silly jokes. Yeah. Like I can't figure out that scene when they go to the art gallery, and then they leave to go see vagina. I can't figure out why that was in the movie. I thought it, it was. Is it just funny? To promote the man at page but she didn't she didn't like it either she's not like teaching him to be more cultured or something like that he asks her do you want to see a movie and she's immediately like yes what i thought was this is another little thing but i thought it was interesting that i didn't the first time i watched it i didn't pay attention to the numbers because i don't know i just didn't Mm -hmm. um but i was still very it was easy to like keep up with what was going on and Mm -hmm. keep track of the timeline but the second time, I still didn't pay attention to the numbers. <laughs> but the title card, um, like the the way the um, the season is is depicted. Yes, it's like it shows you the health of their relationship. Yes, thank you. That's what. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that um, when they're gonna go have sex the first time, he like runs into the bathroom and he's like, "It's just a girl. You can do this." <laughs> Just keep it casual. Keep it casual. That's the whole point, though, is that Tom's very into that. She's not just another girl. She's Summer Finn. He says that. Does he? Yeah. At this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh, when he's they're He's like, talking... girls have broken up with you before, and he's like, but she's not a girl. She's Summer. She's Summer. Mm. Mm. I love the little sister. So, the first time I watched this film, obviously... I had a crush on Chloe Grace Moretz because, you She's know. She's like nine in it, though. I oh, was you were fucking nine. nine. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't watch this film at like 17 and be like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine-year-old Chloe Moretz. <laughs> no, um, but I don't, I don't know whether at this point it's a cliche to have like the younger kid who's like wiser, wise beyond their years yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know. I I don't I don't really mind it. I think of it a, as a as a little cringe, but I thought it was just kind of cute. I also like Chloe Grace Moretz. Who doesn't? She's great. Chloe, if you're listening to this, I'll give you my I'll give you my number. Email me. <laughs> Pirate Paul. <laughs> Pirate Paul seventy three at yeah at yahoo.com. <laughs> if anybody would like to comment on our podcast or has anything to say, movie suggestions. <coughs> Please email piratepaul73 at yahoo.com. <laughs> um, I think I think that's all from us today. Um, completely irrelevant.